and welcome to the Tandem Collective Talks podcast. Tandem Collective celebrates books, film, TV, podcasts and more with our global community. We're Jen, Jade, Lucy and Lex, members and friends of Team Tandem. You might already know us from Instagram or TikTok, but if not, it's great to meet you and welcome. We're here to chat to you about what's new in the world of books, publishing and film, interview some of your favourite authors and hear your thoughts on what you're reading and watching at the moment. You can find us at Tandem Collective UK on Instagram and also Tandem Collective Global. Hello and welcome everyone to a chat with one of my good pals, Tony Jones, founder of Shelf Help. Shelf Help is the world's first self-help book club and platform and is dedicated to celebrating and inspiring personal development. Tony's vision is global healing through self-help and through Shelf Help, she creates content and community to support people at all stages of their self-help journeys. Shelf Help started as a local book club in Chiswick, West London, and four years on, they have thousands of members in their digital family. Pre-COVID, Tony had established almost 30 meetups all over the world from Amsterdam to London, Los Angeles and Essex. She has hosted best-selling author events in London and the US and appeared in festivals and retreats as well as creating workshops and events for big brands and publishing houses. So Tony, thank you so much for joining us for our pilot season of our podcast. Thrilled to have you. Thank you very much for having me. Excited to be part of it and very, very well done on the shelf help and self help. It, it wasn't <laughs> until I was halfway through the intro, I was like, oh, that's tricky, isn't it? I had not realized how tricky that was. Um, but firstly, as a little bit of an introduction to yourself, why not tell us why self help and what drew you to self help? Where were you when you first truly embraced it? Um, well, probably like lots of people, I kind of embraced self-help at crisis point. But <laughs> now I realise I wish I'd have found it a long time before, which is part of my mission now, I suppose. But um, yeah, in my late 30s. Before that, I, uh, I'm a tra- trained journalist. I worked for the Sun newspaper and for the Mail Online um, for over 15 years altogether. And then also a freelance for lots of different places. But yeah, a lot of my life has been spent, had been spent working in very high pressure, full-on jobs for very notorious news organisations, I suppose. So um, when I left the Mail Online, I kind of left with no plan apart from I just needed to, I just needed to leave really. It wasn't really good for my, I now know it wasn't good for my mental health. Like back then I didn't really talk about mental health or have any kind of concept of it, I suppose. I just knew that it wasn't making me feel good and it wasn't good for me. So I left with no plan and then sudden, and then decided to be a freelance writer, which anyone listening knows, I know these guys, are, this is a bookish crowd. Anyone who's a freelance writer knows that's quite a, a solitary existence. So I'd gone from being in a f- full-on chaotic newsroom pretty much 12 hours a day at the Mail Online to sitting by myself in our spare room trying to be a freelance writer and and it did not it did not end well <laughs> well it did end well because shelf help but it wasn't pretty at the time so yeah I just found I found it super challenging because I suddenly had a lot of time to be um, I was by myself with my own thoughts kind of learning learning about myself, I suppose, getting to know myself when I didn't really like, understand or like that much what I saw and felt. So I just started reading. Like, I think uh, my tra- training and my past as a journalist means that I love I love absorbing information and then I love sharing it. So I just kind of, I think, 
I used to read loads. And then when I was uh, busy as a busy journalist, I kind of fell out of the habit of that. So I was writing a lot and creating a lot of content and stories and things, but never really around stuff that meant that much to me. Maybe it was a bit more features around Kate Middleton's fringe or where to go, <laughs> where to go in Ibiza to party for 24 hours. Maybe that was interesting then, but um, <laughs> so, yeah. So I think I, I just started, like I just found um, the first book I talk a bit about uh, that, I, that spoke to me is not that it is not some kind of super, I suppose, profound book. It was a Paul McKenna book called How to Change Your Life in Seven Days. And that literally fell off the bookshelf. I went to, there's an Oxfam book, book shop in Chiswick where I used to live and it fell off the shelf in front of me. Um, so I was like, well, maybe I'll read this book then. Mm-hmm. So I was pottering around and it's, yeah, How to Change Your Life in Seven Days. And it took me over a year to read it because I was, and I'm quite a fast reader. Um, but yeah, every single page was just, it was literally like a news flash. So these like light bulbs going off in my head about, you know, how we talk to ourselves, how we um, see our future, how what we consume, how, what our daily routines are, all this stuff that I just, I just didn't really know about. And I thought, why don't I know this? Does everyone else know this? And I'm not in on the secret. And then as I started reading more and talking about it more to my friends, I realized that not everyone does know this. Um, so I found self-help when I really needed it to kind of understand myself more because I was a bit of a crossroads, I suppose. And then shelf help just became... It was a natural extension of that, really. I needed some new friends to talk to about all the self-help that I was reading and learning and inhaling. And my friends at the time were getting a bit bored of it. So I thought, I know, I'm going to start a book club, which I'd never done before, by the way. Like before I did the first shelf-help meetup, I'd, I'd never been to a book club. I'd never been part of a book club. But I'd at the same time as reading the self-help, I'd started doing like talk therapy, group support, doing things like Al-Anon. So I think what I wanted it to be was like part book club and we'd use the books to um, as a way to talk about bigger topics I suppose because I previously have never found it very easy to talk about feelings or even talk about myself and what I'm you know thinking about stuff or what I want or what's happened or so I think I I, I started realizing that actually talking about this stuff is actually quite beneficial and therapeutic and useful and now I know necessary so yeah shelf help was like a book club meets support group um, meets just kind of book nerds unite really mm-hmm. <laughs> so it feels like you found self-help in a very timely space and actually in a way that probably quite a lot of people found it given the year that we've just had mm-hmm. yeah I feel like so many people had that crossroads that you mentioned this year yeah totally I mean the sales have gone through the roof haven't they of, of self-help mm-hmm. generally and maybe like some people don't like the term self-help I don't mind I, I love it but it's like personal development or maybe yeah. people are uh, reading more like about productivity and all this stuff like life hacks right we all want to we want to live better and I think the last yeah the last 18 months or so has kind of helped a lot of people reprioritize or just or maybe reevaluate things and whether that's the relationships or job or finances or where they live you know, or all of them <laughs> for some of us, then, you know, life, what what self-help does for me and as does for our community is it kind of gives you the tools, I think, to, to be able to navigate things like a global pandemic is quite an extreme example, but <laughs> the fact that the book club is like, the, the, you know, is like has grown during the pandemic and since um, kind of does just show to me that this is very necessary. So, the idea of um, yeah self-help personal development is you just kind of grow this toolkit of things that you can use when shit hits a fan, you know, when like life, you know, things happen, life is challenging, that is life. So it's just like being able to have like a constant level of belief in yourself and belief in a, a future, good future and have an optimism and hope and 
stay happy, you know, or stay at least content, even when things are, are happening around you. Like that is what I'm trying to do with Shell Pelp. And that's what reading all these books really does for me. Um, like if I'm, if I'm having a super bad day, which sometimes I do, like we all do, it's like I've got a thing that I could, things I can run through now. I've literally got a checklist of stuff. But sometimes I don't do it because I'm just like, nah, I don't want to feel better, really. I just want to feel rubbish for a morning. But it's like a few years ago, I didn't have any, any of those things. I used to just go to the pub or just not talk to anybody or, you know, just think just or just pray for the weekend or pray for the next holiday. And so now I'm able to just like enjoy all all aspects of life. And that's what I really want from our, our community. And that's what I want people to understand about self-help. It doesn't doesn't mean that you have to be totally broken. It can just help you live a better life. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I love that concept of having a toolbox that you can continue to fully stack and develop and keep flourishing. And then you just go into it when you need it. You go in, you take the thing that you think that you need for that day. And even if that thing is, no, actually, I'm going to give myself a couple hours just to be sad about this thing, because that's what I need right now. And I love that that is accepted and okay. I also love that Paul McKenna's Seven Days was your first book. That feels like the a very typical, I'm a busy person and I need to fix my life. So Paul McKenna, seven days, let's do it. Yeah, totally. When I first started going to um, talk therapy, which I didn't want to do, but my husband made me basically, he was like, I'm going to divorce you unless you do something. <laughs> well, that, that is that, an ultimatum. That's it. That's how extreme it had to get before I went to therapy. So anyone listening who thinks therapy is not for them, I I'm, I hear you. I was there. Um, but when I used to, I used to go to my therapist and I'd be like, what's my homework? Like, what do I need to do? And she'd be like, there's no homework. Just you just feel or just go home and think about what we've said but I need the like I, I like a seven day plan or a 10 ways to do this and and I like I'm learning still still a work in progress so that's not always the way but yeah very much so that book I was a bit like well let's do it I've got a week let's just change my life and see what happens but yeah the fact that the fact it took a year is just testament to I suppose every every time of like, like new chapter just set off a whole new which is this is the beauty of self-help of books generally I suppose but it just set up a whole new like journey along this or down this black hole or down that rabbit hole of learning about something else new books new experts new TED talks new strategies and all that kind of stuff so yeah like I still relate I still refer back to that book and so much of what I've gone on to do and I put I interviewed Paul McKenna for because we did I did his book for the we, we featured his book as part of the book club and it was so mm-hmm. funny it was just such a like it was just such a kind of a uh, moment of, I can't believe that, like, without this book, none of this would have happened. Like, you know, without all of, like, that without all of it. Yeah, it was just like a really, like, magic moment. And I don't think he really appreciated it at all. <laughs> but I was fangirling over him. He was a bit bemused by it all. But, yeah, to me, it's kind of, um, it's it, it can be any book. I think, you know, it's just like, it would, I've, I've, I've picked up books before in the past that now I love, but at the time they just didn't speak to me because I wasn't in the right place, wasn't in the headspace, wasn't ready for them. You know, it's like when you're ready, the teacher will appear, right? So it's like, what, like, what, what are you ready for? Keeping, keeping your eyes open and keeping your kind of heart open to like the, the things that are coming into your life because you can learn from lots of different things and people will relate to all different kinds of books or techniques or experts and I suppose the joy of self-help is that there's so many different types of self-help that you know there's Mm -hmm. there's there's the seven-day plans or there's like somebody's own story or there's the kind of like learning a new a whole new therapeutic technique so there's um yeah lots for lots of it for everyone I suppose no for sure so thinking about 
keeping an open heart and being ready to accept change. Obviously, this year has brought about a lot of change that we weren't expecting and weren't necessarily ready to embrace. But how has shelf help developed over the past year to 18 months and what's changed for you within that? Well, we're now a digital community, which we weren't before so much. We were, it, it started, like we start, I started doing things online and sharing kind of expert content and stuff like that, but it was very clunky and it was, um, and I didn't, I mean, I still don't necessarily know exactly what I'm doing, but <laughs> I know a lot more now, but we had to pivot online like every business did, right? So current before, I think you said in the intro, um, before COVID, we were popping up like there were shelf help meetups popping up all over the world because people had found me and shelf help through Instagram or a friend had mentioned it or like a doctor had recommended it like all these like it's like the word of mouth the organic growth of it was like phenomenal probably could be you know due to social media but also I think due to the impact of people coming to a meetup and being really touched by it and then wanting to share it which is like really part of the shelf help magic but then COVID and then everything just disappeared so all that kind of mm-hmm. felt like all that progress that had been made and it's like a lot of work a lot of admin kind of and you know and making sure people are the right people and all this kind of stuff and then it was just like oh we can't meet anymore so what do you what does a club do if you can't meet well you can meet now you meet online so and also at the same time as me kind of like thinking how do I keep shelf help afloat as a business and growing obviously what we do the nature of the 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 product or the nature of the community is it's about helping people feel better or feel good or change or you know keep stay positive and growing so people needed shelf help more than ever when we couldn't actually go on as we had so yeah we went online we tried lots of different ways of staying in touch digitally and then we kind of landed on like a, I think it was a weekly zoom meetup at the, at the time the book that we did the first book we did for um for our proper kind of covid title was everything is figure outable by marie forleo because it was just like well you know <laughs> the shit has really hit the fan but we'll figure it out and we kind of like and that was like testament i think to that that was very telling of how the attitude of the community is like it's not like you know a global pandemic is not just figure outable overnight but we can figure out how to feel better we can figure out how to stay connected we can figure out how to have a good day even though this is all happening around us so the long answer to your question is we now as a as a revolt as a result of pivoting online is we have a digital product that is going from strength to strength and so now we have a I have like a paid for membership it's not not very expensive but it's just that kind of like weekly commitment when we're offering content and community and just a way for people to really dive deeper into the books that, that I pick every two months and as well as the kind of the resources that go around it, it's the community and it's the we're we're learning this together. Like the idea of self-help, sometimes people say is very selfish or is kind of very insular or solitary. But self-help is really about self-help with friends. Like it's yes, it's doing this work on yourself and it's understanding yourself. But for ultimately, it's much more, more powerful and much you're much more likely to make change if you're doing it with friends and with accountability partners. And that's. And that's what we're able to do now digitally, which has been like pretty much incredible. And I don't think I would have been able to do that. I wouldn't have done it because I wouldn't have had the the impetus or the motivation or the time (laughs) to do it before. So, yeah, I suppose the last 18 months has been big shifts and um, progress in a very different way than I might have seen happening before, I suppose. No, definitely. And I can safely say that I have been lucky enough to be a guest at an in real life self-help event post-COVID and never have I felt so supported and welcome in a room by complete strangers. Mm. People of completely different 
backgrounds and ages and races and sexes. And it just felt, as soon as you walked in the door, one of us. Yeah. Like such a nice, such a nice space to be in. Um, That's That's what I try and create always. And so I suppose the challenge was, can you create that digitally? So it's like doing that. But actually, because we got digital, we now are able to be more we can be we can like we can be more inclusive for everybody so like mums at home with babies that weren't able to wouldn't be able to come to a meetup like one of our um one of our she's now a trained hosts but emma in yorkshire she always used to say she used to like watch self-help from afar living wishing she lived in london and now she's in yorkshire i see her every monday night on zoom and it's so lovely because it's like we're bringing and so and then you know shelly from la somebody else from uh, barcelona and these are our this is becoming like the core community so the one thing we have in common is we all want to live a good life and we all want to we want to connect with other people doing the same thing and so that is that is the uh the great leveler I suppose isn't it yeah definitely so how do you feel like the online self-help space interacts with the world of self-care and self-help because obviously quite a lot of people see self-help and self-care as putting their phones away Mm. putting their kind of turning their laptop off turning the internet off how does that what's the balance there for you on that one yeah I think I agree I mean you don't want to be online all the time but equally mm-hmm. tech tech is a big part of all of our lives so we can it can be used for um I listen I listen listening to a book at the moment called hooked and it's about how to make products addictive but actually that you can make them addictive in the in a good way so it's like we all we have addictive natures you know the the, the tendency of the reason we love technology is because it's like it's habit forming so why not make good habits like I use like so this morning I use my waking up with Sam Harris app to do my meditation because it's a guided course and I've just I've just done 28 days of which I know I know because it's it's all my data is kept on the app right I uh, my the new gym I've joined my workout program is on the app everything's there so it's like I think the idea of you can't keep it separate like our lives that's like saying you're keeping your life separate from tech isn't it so I think it's mm-hmm. um it's it's understanding it's understanding yourself, understanding the nature, the addictive nature of technology, and just and like curating it so that you are using it for good because there's so much good tech out there. So we might as well take advantage of that. So I think they're very much tech can be a brilliant tool in um, in self help and self development, but disconnecting is you know it's, it's super useful and necessary, and you just have to make sure that you make time for that as well, I suppose. No, I completely agree. I feel like that's a really important note, like actually disconnecting from your phones and from your laptop can actually be less productive for me because then I'm thinking about what I'm missing and what's not, what I'm not being notified about. Whereas I love apps like Calm and Headspace that make me feel like I am still doing the things that I should be doing to maintain mm. my self-care and my kind of sanity levels whilst doing it in a way that works for me as a kind of young millennial kind of person exactly or you're doing your couch to 5k or whatever and it's like exactly that's much more motivating than trying to do it just by yourself so what I just talked about about like the community element that like we're able to do that now because we are all on whatsapp together and we've got the zoom community and so that's all tech it's all like that's all the digital space so um like I said before about my challenge was creating like how do you create the same re- re- feeling we used to have when we got everyone together in a room and just said how's your day like how how is how is your day actually and it's like we have been able to do it by being careful about the number of people who are in breakout rooms by kind of me picking the questions by mm-hmm. so it's it's 
it's definitely you're able to recreate so much of it digitally and i think tech can be a brilliant brilliant if, if it's used used in the right way no i completely agree okay so what would you say and this might be a, a tricky question but what would you say have been the standout moments or movements for self-help in 2021 and what are you predicting on our horizon for 2022 um this is a great question i think so my first thought for 2021 was um, because I've, I've written a few pieces for, for mags and, and newspapers for like what which books came out. And so many of them were around the idea of fear. And so it was mm -hmm. like a lot about fear in, in a positive way. Like the Fear Fighters Manual is one by Lovey Ajayi Jones. And it's like it was a mega book. And she's all about like a lot of people talking about fear is uh, how you can harness it for good. Like the fear is. The idea of like feel the fear and do it anyway is obviously a really old self-help um, idea and text. But this year there seems to have been a lot of books written about from like sports psychologists or therapists or just people going out there and doing it. And the idea is embrace fear, make it your friend, help, help, let it help you push you to the next level. So there's been a lot of that. And I didn't really notice that until I was going through the lists of when I was like compiling my own my own stuff. And then also it has been a mass, a big trend, I suppose, or a big subject for us and for everyone is self-care. So like for me, self-help starts with self-care anyway. Like before you're doing any of the stuff about, I don't know, parenting your inner child or looking at deep, like taking the layers off and looking at your future. It's like, how are you taking care of yourself today? So I think self-care is having a bit of a of a moment and a bit more of like of a rebrand so self-care obviously was quite a few years ago became the thing and then it became the thing to like bash it because it was like oh let's just all have a bubble bath and, and not worry about saving the world but actually self-care is taking an active interest in your mental health and in your physical health so if all of us did that then the world would be a much better place so self-care is something that nearly all of the books we talk about come back to even if the books are really about emotional resilience or anxiety or habits ultimately there's part there's part they all seem to come back to or our chat especially in the community comes back to how self-care kind of relates to that so I think that is definitely something that that's something that I've seen this year and because we need it right this year it's like there's we can't control so much and we know like you can't in life anyway but this the last 18 months have really reminded us that so much is out of our control but we can control how we look after ourselves so then we so then we can show up as well as we can for the rest of the people in our lives for the planet for you know for the bigger things so i think that's definitely something that's going to be carrying on it's needed to carry on and that people will kind of stay interested in and, and i love it when you kind of learn about the science behind self-care and and all the different ways that you can do it and what it means to different people and how, you know, the super successful people like, I don't know, Ariana Huffington, for instance, or Oprah or whatever. It's like, what, you know, self-care is a massive part of what makes them so successful. And I think it's really good when people see that and we can reinforce that because then it's a reminder to do it for yourself. Yeah, no, that sounds great. I think the, the biggest realisation for self-help for me this year is that you mentioned it just then, self-care is not... A bubble bath and a face mask if you're then going to go back to slamming it at your desk from seven until seven every day yeah. um, and it's about that realization you know getting breakfast every day going out for a walk with the dog picking up a run every day so yeah that's been a big realization for me mm. uh, and then second part of the question is what are you predicting for 2022 well, I just think we need more self-care. <laughs> I think it just yeah. needs to carry on, basically. That's, 
I think I'm that's what I'm going to be kind of focusing on self-care not and, and just really kind of like being in the present and the here and the now and not so much goal setting and all that kind of stuff I think I think it's still such a tough time for everybody it's we're still getting to getting to grips with the new normal whatever that is for everybody so I think mm-hmm. just kind of taking the time to yeah to kind of understand understand yourself more in the moment and make the most of that so I think people are still very much in the kind of like how do I make my day-to-day better or tenable or you know as good as possible and then maybe from that will come the big kind of like visualization and goal setting and stuff like that but yeah for me in the group it's a lot more about kind of getting to just just kind of keeping it keeping it simple ultimately which is sometimes the hardest thing to do isn't it but also sounds like a 2022 that I would very much welcome (laughs) yes a simple simple and steady and nourishing god yes please I'll take two um, so final question, what are your top three recommendations for anyone wanting to explore a little self-help without starting off at the deep end? Well, you're going to have to tell because I'm going to hold up some books. So you're going to have to remind mm-hmm. me that I'm talking about them, not just people. <laughs> but first of all, after what we've just talked about, I had to include Susie Redding's work. So Susie Redding is for me the queen of self-care. So I'm currently holding up two books, one which is called The Self-Care Revolution, which I would recommend everybody get immediately smart habits and simple practices to allow you to flourish and then her another book and this is a book we covered in um the book club in 2021 is self-care for tough times and that's all about it's just about daily things you can do gem most of them are totally free and most of them literally anybody could do they're like their movements their little rituals their things that you eat or drink there's there's things you do for yourself and it's and it's things that are going to help you yeah it's like it's taking a proactive interest as I said in your mental well-being in your physical well-being in your social well-being so Susie Redding's work she's brilliant on Instagram as well she does lives every week and she addresses sometimes like the tough stuff as well like sometimes she'll talk about how to get sleep which actually we all know is like if you get enough sleep you feel like the different person the next day but other times she's talking about why it's okay to feel shit when there's a pandemic going on and I think I love Susie because her work is she like gives you permission to kind of like to a to explore these kind of self care stuff. But she's a trained um she's a trained counselor and a yoga therapist and um and a therapist. So she actually you know her all of her training is based in it's based in science it's based in theory it's based in practice that she's that she's kind of done you know she's done work on herself and then she's worked with other people. So I love her stuff because I just feel like it's it's very kind of gentle but it's like it's like having that like big sister who's like gentle but will still make you get up and go to school <laughs> like you know they're kind of like it's like it's not it's gentle but it's like very powerful as well so yeah any of Susie I think Susie Redding's book any any of her books self-care for tough times I recommend and the self-care Re- revolution so that that was my first pick uh, and then journaling actually I should have already talked about this as a trend for 2022 journaling is everywhere we know that but it's like I think that's just getting more and more so now it's getting very niche I've seen journals for all kinds of stuff but I love um there's a couple called Project Love and they're two um as a life coach and a love coach and they um every year now they release a, a journal and it's a, re- a reflective journal and uh, an intention setting journal so it's called Goodbye 2021 Hello 2022 
so it's like a two-parter so the first half of the journal is like looking back and reflecting at what went well what didn't go so well how what what did certain things and people make you feel and so it's looking back and it's like a like I do this every year now like an end of year reflection what gave you joy what gave you life like how how did you spend your time money energy well last year and and the opposite and then from that you can then start setting intentions for the year to come so it's I love this and I think anyone anyone can journal but to have it to have a guided book and it's full of like some lovely big quotes and you know kind of like great illustrations and it's um like a question here what have you achieved over the past five years and it's like and it's just things like rem- it's just little prompts that are so helpful mm-hmm. in kind of getting you before you kind of just roll into 2022. I know this will be coming out in 2022, but it's like you do this in January or February, and that will then give you a good grounding for like how do you actually want to feel this time next year? Because I think without um that taking the time to plan it, life just happens, doesn't it? Um, so that was a second pick. And then my third pick is the new Brené Brown book, Atlas of the Heart because it is a shelf help book of the moment for January and February. And the reason it is the book of the moment, I'm going to show it here in case you do show in the video. It's a beautiful book. And Brené Brown is like just the queen of self-help. So if you don't know anything about self-help or Brené Brown, watch her TED Talk. I think it's The Power of Vulnerability, it's called. It's one of the most watched TED Talks ever. And Brené Brown is a researcher and a storyteller, she calls herself. And she talks a lot about courage, vulnerability, all the emotions that we kind of like find it difficult to talk about. And Atlas of the Heart is basically a map around all of these emotions and the, the emotions that we all have. There's 87 of them that she um, she she, clarifies, uh, she kind of classifies in this book. And she's talking about the fact that we all have these. So shouldn't we feel more more connected and so it's kind of how do we come together and express these emotions and to ourselves and to other people and how do we use that to connect better for a better a better us and a better world so Brene any of Brene's work I would say is like a brilliant place to start but yeah that's that'll get you going no that sounds like an absolutely stellar reading list I hope you guys are all adding it to your adding these titles to your TBR list because what Tony has essentially provided you there is a structure for 2022 with a sprinkling of self-care and a map for the way forward. So dream TBR list from Tony Jones there. And Tony, the last thing is just to say thank you so much for hanging out with me this afternoon. I've had such a blast. You're so welcome. Thank you for letting me talk about (laughs) self-help for half an hour or so. Sorry that some of the answers are a little bit longer, but I get a bit carried away. And I just want everyone to know that, you know, obviously one book isn't going to change your life, but one idea out of a book might. And I just want everyone to know that, yeah, it's uh, you don't need to be broken to read self-help. It's just a way to help you be even better. And let this serve as a reminder to not let it get that bad that you feel broken, that that's where you have to start. Yeah, don't get divorced so that you have to start <laughs> reading self-help. <laughs> that's, that's too far. Perfect. So, Tony, do you want to give a quick shout out to where people can find you online? Um, yes, please come and find us online. Um, our website is shelfhelp.club, and then you can find all about our membership there. And shelfhelp.club is our Instagram handle as well. So, that's a good place where we share lots of kind of free content and also introducing the books and pics and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, loads of good book, book nerdy stuff on there. So, yeah, please come and see us, shelfhelp.club. Awesome. All right, guys, that's it for today. So thank you so much for joining us. And I hope you have a wonderful evening. Okay, guys, so that was our episode with Shelf Help founder Tony Jones on the wonder of reading as self-care. 
Um, what do you think? I loved it. I loved her kind of toolbox concept as well about just picking out the things you need when you need them. Because I feel like so often with self-care books, you feel like you have to go through this whole massive long step process. But she was just like, no, just take the take the foundation and take what you need when you need it. I also loved how she encourages you to um, kind of harness emotions that have previously been thought of as negative. So she talks a lot about fear um, and touches on anger. And uh, that I, I found kind of from a psychology perspective, that really interesting because there are sometimes the emotions that you kind of are taught to try and suppress, but she talks about a way to not only embrace them, but you know, kind of use them to, to help you, which I thought was really interesting. I also loved Lex, how you and Tony were talking about um, whether self-care means turn off your phone, because so often when we're stressed out, People will say, like, put your phone somewhere else and go and do something for 10 minutes. But I'm sorry, if I put my phone in a box for two hours and I've got no idea what's going on in the world and who's messaged me and if everything's okay with work, Mm. I'm not less stressed. I'm more stressed. And I really liked how you addressed that because the put technology down is not the fix-all for everything. And I think that is very generational advice. Like, you say that to my mum. And she'd be like, yes, you're right. That's such a good that's such a good feeling. I need to step away from that. Whereas, as Tony and I discussed, I'm very much an advocate of using my technology to be better for my well-being and better for my mental health. Mm. And you know, there are things on iPhones now where you can limit your time in certain apps. And there are so many other apps that I would recommend that are beneficial for my time rather than just putting my phone away. Yeah, it's about habit forming, isn't it? Like positive relationships with technology. I'm like the complete opposite to everyone. And I don't know if it's because I've worked in digital social media for a while now, but I find that I am much more better off if I step away from technology. If I have a weekend where I don't have my phone in my hand all the time or constantly checking things, I feel so much more free for some reason but then I do get the anxiety on like a Monday when I'll go into WhatsApp and things like that and I've got a shed load of unread messages and things like that then I get the anxiety of should I be looking at my phone should I be doing this but yeah it's it's a strange one because I really love technology free time but I really understand why people don't do it. I think it's that kind of feeling of Sunday scaries that made me not want to put my phones away and put my inboxes away because the fear of the unknown is worse for me, I think. Mm -hmm. That's why, I mean, I was going to say don't tell anybody this, but it's on a podcast, so everybody will know now. But I checked my emails on Christmas Eve purely, like not to do any work, but just so that I knew that nothing was going wrong, that I hadn't forgotten anything major, just so I could quiet that little voice in my brain that meant that I really could switch off for Christmas. Mm. Yeah, I'm the exact same, Lex. I need to check things and know that if there's a problem, at least I I know about it rather than... So any problem that there is, it's almost guaranteed once I know about it and I know I can deal with it when I'm back at work, that it's much more manageable than the problem I will create in my own head. So it's about managing your own anxieties, isn't it? Mm. It's definitely finding what works for you and not finding mm-hmm. what works for someone else. Mm. So speaking of managing your anxieties and finding out what works for you, 
my personal nonfiction recommendation for you guys would be do nothing. How to break away from overworking, overdoing, and underliving by Celeste Headley. Um, I read it in November, December of 2021 when I felt like I was really experiencing burnout for the first time since going freelance. And she talks about kind of the history of work and how it has changed through different ages and with different technological developments and our emotional response to work. And it just put a lot of things in a really nice perspective for me. So that would be my nonfiction self-care reading recommendation for you guys amazing I think mine would probably be not even a book but almost writing your own book so journaling so I um at the moment I'm using high performance planner which is I don't think it matters really which one you use but I just use a journal every day where I can kind of set my intentions for the day and think about how I'm feeling and then reflect again in the evening as well I think it stops you from feeling like you're just one huge cannonball of stress and helps you to pinpoint yeah your feelings a bit more accurately and know how to deal with them I think mine would be linking back to the conversation about technology and cultivating a a healthy relationship with technology Tanya Gooden's my brain has too many tabs open and that talks about things like um doom scrolling and stuff that has probably become quite prevalent across the pandemic um, but that there was so much that I didn't even know about my own habits that came out through that book. And I found that really helpful about reevaluating my relationship with my phone. That was going to be my pick as well, because I took that when you worked on it, Luce, I took it away on holiday with me. And it, yeah, it really struck a chord with me massively. And that is exactly how I think I would explain how sometimes I feel my brain mm. has too many tabs open and not having my phone on me that's a tab gone with yeah. you know social media e- emails things like that all of those tabs I'm taking away um but another one that I love is Fern Cotton's Calm really really good read but to go with that her podcast is also as amazing and tackles the same sort of topics but it's just a read that will like when you're reading it you're like I have experienced that and it makes you kind of remember that you're not alone in feeling these feelings and the overwhelm and anxiety that you can feel from doing too much and stuff like that um but yeah my brain has too many tabs it's such a good book Mm. awesome well I haven't read that one so I'm going to add it to the list for sure Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening to our episode with Tony Jones and hearing out all of our recommendations. Hello, this is Joe from Redline Books in Essex. My favourite self-help book is actually a poetry book called The Poetry Pharmacy, Tried and True Prescriptions for the Heart, Mind and Soul by William Seacart, or put together by him. Um, it features many poets which provide poetry for any ailment you may have. This week's badly described book is A Mean Man Gets Woken Up at Night and Sends Meat to His Employee. As always, we're open to your feedback, so please do hit us up at Tandem Collective UK on Instagram or using the hashtag Tandem Collective Talks. If there's anyone, content creator-wise, industry superstars or your favourite author that you think we should feature on the podcast, then let us know. Bye! Oh, See you later.